What's up, guys? Welcome to uh, the first episode of The Movie Boys. This is going to be a podcast where we just kind of break down uh, a movie every episode. Uh, I'm sure it'll change here and there, but that's basically the scope. Uh, I'm Tyler, and we are joined by Rowdy. Um, he's apparently getting his ASMR practice in. This mic keeps catching my beard. Well, stop touching it. I can't fucking help it. It's <laughs> in my face. Um, so this week, we are going to be talking about the latest movie from Christopher Nolan, Tenet. And uh, I guess I would give a spoiler alert, but this... You can't spoil it. <laughs> you, you, you can't spoil this movie. Like, it's, it's almost impossible to spoil it. Robert Pattinson, apparently, like, when he was working on this, even had no clue what it was about. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to bet half the cast that uh, read the script whenever they were being recruited, they were just like, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, right? They're like, yeah. They're like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> They're like, well, did you read the script? Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't understand half of it. So, as we mentioned, uh, it was directed by Christopher Nolan. The uh, cinematographer was, I'm sorry if I butcher this, Hoyt Van Hoytema, Hoytema however you want to uh, pronounce that. He is a Dutch-Swedish director of photography and he worked with them on interstellar and dunkirk also okay so those are so obviously these uh this guy is christopher nolan's go-to to make sure that he gets the look that he wants um we've we've come to know christopher nolan and i'm sure most of you have seen the batman trilogy that he did and what's that wow <laughs> and um his uh I guess overly confusing movies like uh, Inception, Interstellar, and well, uh, Interstellar was actually not that confusing. But mm. the good thing about it was, is it was actually praised for its accuracy by a certain astrophysicist, which I thought was cool, and kind of goes to show you how far Christopher Nolan goes to, you know, kind of make sure that his movies are somewhat realistic. Memento is another good one that he did. So, um, our leading man, I guess, in this movie, who played the protagonist, is, and that's literally what he's credited as, as protagonist, is uh, John David Washington. Former and running back for the St. Louis Rams. <laughs> Nothing else makes him famous except for that. No relatives. I, th I thought he was... Um, Denzel's no, son. No, not Denzel's son. He's just a running back. Oh, okay. No, he's really Denzel Washington's son. See, I thought so, because I know a lot of people were like, he don't look nothing like Denzel. I was like, that doesn't mean he's not Denzel's son. Um, he was uh, supported by uh, Robert Pattinson, who, in all honesty, what was Neil? Okay, so he actually had a name, Neil. And... I mean, I, I for one think that they both did a r ridiculously good job. Yeah, everybody in this did a really good job, even the kids. Well, the kid. The kid, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, like, if if anybody knows Christopher Nolan for what he's been able to do and what he actually likes to do, he doesn't like to do anything CG if he can help it. So, like. You know, Rowdy was telling me that John David Washington actually learned his choreography in reverse so that they wouldn't have to do that in post. Yeah, when you watch the video, it looks weird because you think it's they're just rewinding it, but it's just him moving like that. And he had to get his like his little mannerisms and stuff while he's fighting. That's perfect. That's so crazy. Um, the uh, the score was done. Who did the score? Ludwig 
Horenson. Yeah, yeah, Ludwig Horenson. Um, I, I don't. What else has he done? Black Panther, uh, Mandalorian, oh. Creed Two, I guess Venom. <laughs> he's uh, he's Childish Gambino's producer, his go-to producer. Oh, okay. But he did a really good job. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, in in all honesty, when I was watching the film, I could have swore it was Hans Zimmer that was that was doing it. But no, like, um, which I mean, in my opinion, that's a credit to him because Hans Zimmer is the I mean, Godfather. Yeah, of <laughs> basically. Scores. And so, yeah, it was it was really good. It was a really good score, and it's. It's one of those things where, like, a score can make or break a film. He really did something cool with it where there was times where he'd play it, he'd play the music, and then he would play the same music in reverse. Yeah. So that kind of went along with the themes of the movie. That's so crazy. Um, I know, like, uh, what was it? Um, Uncut, was it Uncut Gems? Yeah. With... Uh, Adam Sandler and with the Adam Safety Sandler. Brothers. Oh my God, that score was god awful. It your, was it was so horrible. Your opinion? I guess that. I mean, that movie in general, like Adam Sandler did an amazing job, but that movie over the writing, in my opinion, was just god awful. The Safety Brothers better movie, Good Time, also starring Robert Pattinson, way better. Oh, okay. everything way better. I'll have to check that one out. You I need to watch it. Um, so, I mean, basically in a nutshell, uh, we wanted to see this movie in theaters, but, um, if people are listening to this in the future, this is the year 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic has been going on pretty much all year. And so we definitely have not felt safe going to the movies. So we waited for it to release on Blu-ray, which we purchased it and watched it that way. So I think if I ever do get a chance, I'll want to watch it, you know, in an actual theater. It definitely would have been way better in a theater. The only thing that makes me glad that we watched it at home, though, was the god-awful sound mixing. Well, I feel like in the movie theater, they would have just had shit like blown out no because remember because remember the signs that um amc was posting at their theaters Mm -mm. they were literally putting signs on the doors to the theaters saying there's nothing wrong with our sound system this is how this is how christopher nolan wanted this movie to sound see it reminded me a lot of uh blade runner 2049 oh really yeah I, i didn't see that in theaters it's it was really quiet because it's a dialogue-heavy movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when explosions happened in the theaters, it was l- so loud. And that's and that was the problem. Was like, like we would have to blast the audio to hear the dialogue, and then within a split second, you get blown away by some sort of explosion or, um, you know, with the score, you know, had like hard hits and stuff yeah. like that. It was just, oh, it was. It was god all and matter of fact, Christopher Nolan actually came out and said that some like high profile directors had called him and said, Hey, we don't know why you did this, but it sounds awful. Your audio sounds awful. They're just jealous. I guess. I don't I don't know why that's what he was going for, but Hey it worked. I mean, maybe maybe he just didn't want people paying that much attention to the dialogue. He's like, no, y'all need... No, there's no way that that's the case. I don't know. Because with this movie, you have to pay attention to the dialogue. <laughs> I paid attention to the dialogue, and I barely grasp what it's about. Which, that's I guess that's what we're about to try to tackle, is try, try to explain the plot of this movie. So, basically... Um, what's it? Uh, the protagonist. Yeah, the protagonist is some sort of CIA operative or FBI agent or yeah. spy or something like and that. And the film opens with them, him and his team getting ready to 
I guess, try to save somebody from this opera house that's about to hold a performance. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it's really a good opening to it to just kind of pull you in with that action because it was really right. really well done. Yeah, um, and like basically they are trying to save this person that apparently has had a hit put out on them, and during the whole thing that like goes on he noticed the protagonist looks down like they're in the amphitheater and he looks down behind one of the seats and he sees a bullet hole there and out of nowhere the bullet comes out of the hole backwards and almost hits him and he obviously he dodges it and that's where you kind of get like the first sign of what you see in the previews of like things going in reverse Mm mm-hmm and like, so I do, in all honesty, I don't even know if their thing was a success because he got back into the, after, after they got out of there, he got into the back of the van and then some guy knocks him out with a, uh, the butt of his gun. And then he wakes up and he's in that train yard. I think it might've been the guy that hired him, but I, I don't, I don't know. But anyway... So then he apparently that was a test. Well, what happens at the train yards is a test. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Apparently that that is a test because he takes. Uh, I guess it was supposed a, a to be a cyanide, cyanide capsule, yeah. but it wasn't cyanide or something like that. And then he goes off grid, or they take him off grid. They put him in some windmill out in the middle of the ocean until he gets collected by. And you get a workout mon- er, montage. Yeah, you get a workout montage. <laughs> You, you basically just get to see John David Washington working out. Like <laughs> one, one of the things that cracked me up was that he wanted to do like um, the like inverted crunches or whatever, and he climbs up like halfway up that ladder he, to do yeah. them. I'm like, dude, that was so unnecessary. You could have just went up like three steps or something. <laughs> yeah, like you didn't have to introduce like death-defying gravity to, well, that adds, to work out. That adds that extra motivation to it. I bet money that was his idea. Christopher Nolan's like, oh, just go up, you know, four or five rungs and, you know, do some crunches. He's like, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, after he's collected by the agency or who, a boat. Whoever, a boat. whoever the hell picks him up, somebody picks him up and he's introduced to this or, or they tell him to break into this lab and the, the, the scientist, cause remember he puts on the, uh, that vest he puts on that high vis vest or whatever and he's breaking into this facility and the the scientist is like oh you can get almost anywhere oh yeah you can get almost anywhere with a high vis vest and she's like but not in there and then that's when she introduces him to the because they have this saying like what was the saying i don't remember it was really it's like a, a uh, secret agent code phrase or whatever yeah, that they have. I, I can't remember what it was. Like the chairs against the wall and how do you respond to yeah, that? Yeah, it says like searchers in the night or something, yeah. something like that. And he said that and she, and basically she explains to him about things are being inverted in the future and they're finding their way to the past. I'm getting an aneurysm just trying <laughs> to think about this. And... And that's, it just, it all kind of goes downhill from there. You're basically like halfway scratching your head the rest of the film. But basically, in a nutshell, if I remember correctly, there's people in the future that want to destroy the past because of the decisions that we made that made their future the way it was. And so apparently they found a way to invert things to where they're moving backwards through time and they found a way to do it to the entire planet. And so if you went back in time and did it to the entire planet, it would just destroy the planet. And so there was this, um, the Russian guy, Sator, Sator, who, um, was actually played by Kenneth uh, Brenna. Yeah. Kenneth Brenna, which, he was in uh, Dunkirk also. Yeah, he was in Dunkirk. And 
as murder, my wife, murder on the Orient Express. As my wife pointed out, he played uh, the guy from <laughs> from Harry Potter, uh, Professor. Oh, um, he was that full of shit one. <laughs> yeah, the professor. Um, God, what was his name? Uh, anyway. The yeah the the full of shit professor from Harry Potter too, and she she was like oh my god it was him and I was like yeah and then she also pointed out like one of the or the the scientist that was showing uh, the protagonist like all the inverted stuff yeah it's like with the glove and everything yeah it's like oh she played somebody else from Harry Potter and Jesus she was like Christ. and she's like look at all all these people and I was like yeah it's almost like Christopher Nolan wanted actors with some experience the, his character's <laughs> name in Harry Potter it was the Chamber of Secrets it yeah. was. Gilderoy Lockhart. Lockhart. Yep, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, he played Professor Lockhart, um, which it was funny because uh, I was like, oh, well, they did a good job of making him look older. And my wife looked it up, and she's like, he's 59. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> they probably just wiped some of that makeup <laughs> off of him. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, never mind then. Um, he did a phenomenal job, too. Yeah, um, menacing. But uh, he basically... Uh, lucked out it seems that he found this area that because uh, apparent apparently in the future there was a scientist that discovered the algorithm that could invert the entire planet and she went out of her way to make sure that it couldn't be done by breaking it up into seven pieces I think it was something like that yeah yeah seven pieces and hiding them in like certain areas that were like super high security. And yeah. one of them, one of them happened to be a uh, weapons grade plutonium. Was it plutonium? So, yeah, it was plutonium. Yeah. He weapons finds grade. It when he's a, he's or uranium. And he's sweeping like Chernobyl or something. Yeah. It, he was, yeah, he was, yeah, he was sweeping some, some city that had this meltdown and he found one of the pieces of the algorithm. Yeah. And he kills, he murders that guy with yeah. that shovel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He murked that dude. <laughs> and so I think it was just by chance that it was him. And so the crazy part about all of this is, is like it literally hinges on him because he's just like this greedy billionaire. And basically it's all based on this premise of, well, if nobody, if I can't have it, nobody can. Yeah. He's a stereotypical bad guy, but he does it in a really entertaining way. Yeah. And, um, uh, he's got, um, uh, I guess a wife if you want to call her that basically a trophy and yeah, like a, just that he's basically just entrapped and is holding her son hostage virtually. Well, he's, <clears throat> he's holding her hostage, uh, with that. What was it? The test that he put on her uh, about, I'll let you leave. If you well, that's yeah, that's what he said. He said, "I'll let you leave, but you can never see your son yeah, again." Yeah, and she and, thought about it, and like he holds he hold, that over. Yeah, he over. always holds that. Yeah, because yeah, like she had like that split second. Yeah, where she considered it. Yeah, and so I mean, <clears throat> this is taking a long time to explain. <laughs> uh, hey, man. But um, but anyway, so. Long story short, he's trying to destroy the world because he knows he's dying. And he's got like a tumor or something. The yeah, like and the protagonist and Neil, Neil yeah. are tasked with basically using the inverted technology that they've discovered, I guess, against him and try to stop him. Yeah. And so, quite literally, it's technically like only half a movie. <laughs> yeah. Because you get to a certain point in the movie. And it just plays it in reverse. Right. And then they switch over, they invert themselves, and then you just watch the whole movie backwards. From a different point of view. From though. a different point of view. And it's, and, oh, like the, like the first scene where they actually come into contact with somebody that's inverted. And like it's that whole like fight scene, the the hallways, yeah, stuff. the hallway stuff yeah. where they're in that um, that hole. It's like a bank, 
like an airport bank thing mm, yeah, for yeah, rich people super rich people can yeah, leave their stuff there. yeah they leave their stuff there it's basically a tax haven yeah and that's where they were keeping one of the inverters i guess like the I guess that's a, what you would call it. Yeah, the it. machine. Yeah, the machine that actually inverts It's stuff. at the center of it. Yeah, and like that's where the whole fight scene that we were talking about earlier where the and I called it whenever I was watching it and I was like he's fighting himself. I know he is. That cuz that's why he was all, you know, geared up and yeah. covered in he was in SWAT gear and basically. Towards the end of it, <laughs> Robert Pattinson lets the guy go. Yeah, like and cuz he's around a corner yeah. and you can tell that he took his mask off and he sees him and he just lets him go. But um so that kind of gives you the first clue into Robert Pattinson or Neil isn't who he says he is. Exactly, cuz like he he makes it seem like he's just this novice guy that doesn't really know what's going on. He's yeah. just he's big, like the way that they set it up is like the protagonist meets him in the UK. I think it was. Some, uh, no, or it was. France? Uh, I think it was that Middle Eastern country because he needs a guy to help him get into that tower oh, to speak to that woman. That well, was the, that was in India, I think. Yeah, that man. He he was there to speak to the man, but it turns out that the the woman was in power. Yeah, she was. Yeah, the man was just a a, a front, a decoy, I yeah. guess. Um, but yeah, he basically just gets set up as like a producer, I guess. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, this is what you need. I can get it for you. Yeah. And, but yeah, it ends up like coming out that like basically Neil has known all along. And like, so. They, they do the most corny setup for a sequel at the end of it. Well. Like we'll have adventures together or yeah. some shit like that. My, my whole thing like the thing that I guess annoyed me the most about it was how much they used the word tenant. Oh, well it, it slowed down after like the first, uh, I guess hour. Yeah. Yeah. But within that first hour, they must've said it. These like are the tenants seven times, the five tenants or whatever. Yeah. Like, Oh, uh, and I'm looking it up right now. I don't even know what the definition of tenant is. Uh, a principle, belief, or doctrine generally held to be true, especially one held in common by members of an organization, movement, or profession. So it's a cult. They were basically a cult that knows how to use inverted things. So what I'm confused about is Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, a part of that cult. He has to be, because. but the thing about it is... That's what he said at the end of the movie, remember? When he was like, well, he was like, so wait, you've known this all along? He's like, yeah. And he was like, well, how? He's like, you, uh, I got recruited. He's like, by who? He's like, by, by you. you. Yeah. Oh, my God. So basically, from what I can tell, the protagonist is starting, is the one that's going to start the tenant, yeah. I guess. And then... The, uh, this movie. <laughs> I know. That's why I said. That's what I said, man. Like, we we put a spoiler alert out there, but I don't think we can spoil this movie. Yeah, the, I don't think that there's a way to because it's not really a like it's kind of dumb to say it's not a story driven movie because I mean the story is so convoluted that it's hard to understand, but it's fun as shit to watch. Right. Yeah, and that's the good thing about it was is can you imagine if this was like a, a Tarantino film? Oh God! Where there's like almost no action for the like the ninety percent of the movie. Yeah, like people would have fallen off like flies if it was that kind of movie. But yeah. no, it's Christopher Nolan. You know effects, he's got to go big. Those effects, those yep. practical, I was gonna say beautiful those, effects, mm -hmm. and that's what he's known for. Like yeah. all of his practicality. Like uh, I'll, I'll never forget in the Dark Knight when I was watching the behind the scenes of how they did like the. Um, the trailer, the trailer tractor, tractor trailer flipping oh, over. Oh, with the piston? Yeah. I was like, oh my God. You know me, I'm just, uh, this day and age, we're so spoiled to CGI. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that was cool CGI. No, hell no. That was 100% practical. Yeah. And just, it's just, and he brings that same, I guess, demeanor, I guess would be the best yeah. word, to the film. He's like, nope, I don't want any CGI. See, that's... That's something that's really going away because it's easier to animate stuff now. Well, and yeah, and that that's the whole thing. 
it's it's kind of it's kind of like the movie itself. Yeah. Because in reality, because like you know, back in like the seventies and everything when Star Wars was going on and George Lucas was pioneering with CGI. Yeah. Now it's true. now it's getting to the point where it's the other way around, where CGI is becoming the easy way out. Yeah. And then we're pioneering all these ways to make this stuff practical and it's literally going reverse, reverse of the way the yeah. way that the way that it happened and it's a double-edged sword when you use animations also cuz it can either look really good or like something like Endgame or the Avengers movie mm-hmm. where Thanos is amazing right or it can look like you know crap like uh Henry Cavill's lip and yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the Justice, Justice League. League, which that was just, that was just a whole shitty situation to begin with, and they didn't really have much of a choice. But um, Mission Impossible Fallout was better with Henry Cavill's mustache intact. I'm still not. I, I'm getting closer to forgiving Tom Cruise, but I hey, still. Man. I still don't like him. He's gonna pull you in, and then you're gonna become a Scientologist. Well, he's already left Scientology. Remember? He did. Yeah, that was your whole argument for I can't oh, hate yeah. him anymore because he left Scientology. He didn't leave Scientology though. Oh, I'm definitely no. Yeah, yeah no, I'm definitely not. He's still you. a Scientologist. So. No, I'm out of there. Yeah. If it, if anybody if anybody has HBO, make sure you watch Going Clear, the documentary on. HBO about fake Scientology. News. Fake news. Oh, Lord. Fake news. Because... Praise Zenu. Nano, nano. Zoltan. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on is going back, I guess, to the cinematography is the cameras that they used on Tenet. Um... We know that Christopher Nolan shoots like almost all of his movies on iPhones. Uh, wow, I bet uh, Apple <laughs> Apple would have an orgasm if if Christopher Nolan came out and said he was going to film a movie on iPhones. Um, but um, what's it? Um, we know that he usually films on IMAX cameras. Um, I also know that um, uh, he is very adamant about using film cameras in general, which I don't think a lot of people realize that, but like IMAX cameras, they think that, you know, oh, this big, super wide format camera is a digital camera. It's not. It's still a film camera. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. But that's just because... I guess a lot of these directors these days, especially if they have a big enough budget, they're really adamant about shooting on film. I think Tarantino's the same way. Yeah, he is. He's exactly the same way. He shoots everything on film. So, I mean, I mean, me personally, I don't, um, I don't see the point because I've actually looked into the process of doing that and it is, ridiculously tedious. It's not as tedious as it was back in the day because they've got the technology to help them out. But like, because from what I understand, what they actually do is once they film everything, they scan it all in digitally. They edit it digitally. Yeah. Then they have all the time codes from that. And then they go back in and find all the time codes on the film that they use. They cut it manually that way and then they rescan it. I mean, I think it's more so when you look at the directors that actually do that, they're renowned for their their dedication to filmmaking. Yeah. And I think that that's more what it what it means to them is to stay classic. Like we talked about Christopher Nolan and him wanting to stay with practical effects. I think it's the same way because there's only so many things you can hold on to that actually make you a a great filmmaker like yeah. that. I mean, my whole thing is, is like, it just, I get this vibe, at least from Christopher Nolan, 
when he talks about it. Cause like in one of his interviews, he even said, he was like, I can tell when a film or when a movie is shot on film or if it's shot on digital. That's kind of pretentious. Exactly. He's like when it's shot on digital and made to look like film, which I, I believe him. I yeah. 100% believe him. But you him. don't have to make it be right. Real, but at the same, but at the same time, you got to think about the people, the people that are going to be watching this film. Yeah, they don't. The, nine times out of ten, they don't give a shit. Exactly, they don't. Like ninety nine percent of the time, no one can even like. You know, uh, people may or may well people may not know this, but I I'm a filmmaker. I'm a video producer, and I run a video production company, and before I got into all of that, when I would watch movies, I didn't think anything about it. I didn't know what a, a focus rack was or yeah. what, you know, bokeh was or depth of field was. I just, I never thought about that stuff. I was just a, a average Joe watching a movie and I was like, okay, this person's in focus. I don't know why they're in focus. I don't know why they're, I don't know why not everything is in focus, but um, I'm just watching the movie, man, you know? But now that I've gotten into filmmaking and everything like that, I actually pay attention to that stuff now. But I still realize the fact that 99% of the people that watch films, movies, pod, not podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, all of that stuff, they don't, they don't really care. I don't, I don't want to say care is not the right word, but they don't know to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's my whole thing. So to go back to when you were talking about Tenet, mm-hmm. on the IMDb trivia, mm-hmm. the word Tenet presumably originated from the Seder Square, a word square containing a five-word Latin palindrome that dates back to the ruins of Pompeii. Dang. Yeah. Okay. So that's where that comes from. You could cut that back to over there. Yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> here we go. So, like I was saying, here's the here's the list of cameras that they they used, and they used a, an Ariflex 765, which obviously is a, a film camera. They used an IMAX Mark III, they used an IMAX Mark IV, and they used an IMAX MSM. And then their B cameras were Panavisions, which uh, Panavision that's a it's really a old film. Well, it it is, but I mean they've kept up with the times, but. That's what. That's one of the main ones that Tarantino uses. He yeah. loves the way that Panavision looks. Um, but there again, like I was saying, Christopher Nolan is really adamant about shooting on film, and I, I mean, I can't argue with the guy. His films they always look amazing. Like you, he has his signature look. You know. Yeah. You know what a Christopher Nolan movie looks like, um, but. Um, ju- not just the cameras that they used, but like the, the actual, um, like the camera operators, like the, the things that they did to like, to show all the action that they did. And that's, I guess that's something else that I took. I don't want to say took for granted, but never really thought about before I got into video production was like, Oh my God, in order for us to see all this stuff that's happening, these cameramen have to basically do what the actors and the stunt yeah. are doing. Um, like in, uh, what was it? In Extraction, when they had that that pseudo one take. Yeah, he had to jump yeah, across the balcony. Yeah, he was like stuff. jumping across balconies and jumping off off of a balcony on, down onto the street. I mean, he was cabled up. Yeah. But still, that's... Cr- or, um, during the chase scenes, he was basically just strapped to the hood of a car. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever they went to whenever it stopped and it was time to come off, they just pulled a cable and he came loose off of it. Like, I guess it's one of those things that a lot of people never really think about. And it's just, it amazes me. And I just, I wish, I wish people knew more of like what people go through as far as like the technical team is like the, the cinematographer and the camera ops and the grips and all of those guys that, you know, do amazing things to make it flow so well. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. So did you have a, a favorite scene? Um, if I had to pick one, 
my favorite scene it it had to have been the the i guess the stereotypical one that everybody would go to and that's like the hallway scene but it wasn't the first time that i watched it that was the second time that i watched it where you were doing watching it from the point of view of the protagonist reverse in reverse yeah Yeah. that because them being able to explain well not explain but them being able to show you the other side of the coin i guess would be the best way to put it so that was that was my favorite scene especially and not only that i appreciate it even more once you told me that he had to learn his fight choreography yeah he learned yeah he learned his choreography in reverse and that just that uh, that just amazes me and shows the dedication that a lot of these actors take on whenever they go into these films yeah it was really good um what about you uh when uh what's her name I'm I'm blanking on her name the guy's wife uh <laughs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> hold, on, hold on hold on I just had it up uh when Elizabeth Debecky uh Sater's wife her name's Cat kicked him off the the boat the yacht after killing him because that dummy hit the rail on the way down and it looked funny <laughs> as hell. And then and then the shot of them dragging his lifeless body behind the speedboat. At Which, the the, my whole thing is I call BS on that because, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I'm no expert on this, but wouldn't he have sank? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not an expert on dead bodies in water. <laughs> not either, but something's telling me he would have sank. So you mean to tell me the old boy in that speedboat that was waiting on her to, you know, do the job. Yeah. Went over there, like drove his boat over there, <laughs> tied his fat ass up with that rope and then was able to wait for her. Because the thing was, she still had to dive off the boat and swim over to the speedboat to get away from the yacht. Did she dive? Yeah, because oh, remember oh, yeah, the scene. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and remember in the first scene, that the first time you watch it, she's, she's like complaining. She's like, I saw some woman dive off the yacht, yeah. and I never saw him again after that. Yeah, I remember now. That was that, one. That, was that one. movie has, they should just call it Callback, not Tenet, because there's so <laughs> many fucking callbacks in that movie. Yeah, exactly. But like, uh, it was, I, don't, I can't remember who said it first. I can't remember if you said it first or if I said it first. It might have been Rebecca that said it first because my wife, Rebecca, watched the movie with us. Um, Unfortunately. <laughs> because um, in the like the final like showdown, I guess, where they were trying to ultimately defeat Sater, the, his wife's job was to go to the boat, act like nothing was going on, act like he was the... or act like she was the... Correct wife of, for that, that timeline, time yeah. yeah, and wait until they got the algorithm away from his men, and then she could kill him. And then I think it was Rebecca. She's like, she's gonna fuck that up. She's like, she her emotions are gonna get in the way. <laughs> her emotion, that womanly intuition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's she's gonna <laughs> she's not gonna let it happen. And sure as shit, <laughs> and sure as shit. About like five seconds early. Yeah, about five seconds early. She's like, "No, you didn't win." Mm-hmm. And then she puts one in his chest and slides, <laughs> slides him into the yeah, ocean. Kicks him off the boat and he just <laughs> falls and hits everything on the way down. <laughs> it's like a three-story yacht. Yeah. Oh god. And it was just, um, it was it was really good. Yeah, that was like all. Altogether, it was it was a really good movie. I'm definitely gonna have to watch it again because because that's just a Christopher Nolan movie for you. Yeah, he goes out of his way to, and that's that's what I've been saying this whole time. Like after watching it, I swear to God, he was watching Avengers Endgame, and then he was like, "No, time travel. No, this isn't this isn't confusing enough." Time travel has to be way more confusing than this. You know, I can't think of a single Christopher Nolan movie that I haven't been able to rewatch and enjoy it. Yeah, that's a good point. He's he's one of those special directors that could do that. It's kind of like a good video game. Yeah. You know, a good video game, you should be able to play it more than once. Witcher 3. Six times, by the way. <laughs> well, 
I never made it past the intro. You're a fucking loser. <laughs> uh, I think that's just because of my work schedule. I can't really play yeah, RPGs too well. You're a white orchard pleb. You know. Oh my god. So you're hitting me with Witcher Three and stuff. Now, hey, yeah. the TV show is amazing. Yeah, that's all right. I don't want to hear that. That TV show's amazing. It, they they did sort of the same shit that Tenet does with the out of order. Oh, well, I don't I don't give that to Tenet. I give that to um, what was it? Pulp Fiction. Yes, Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, friggin' Pulp Fiction. Let's like, see, it worked for that with The Witcher. This isn't this isn't a Witcher podcast. I'm not gonna fucking get into my qualms <laughs> with that show right now. I mean. Like One a, day we might do an episode. Let's put it this way. Henry Cavill isn't Superman to me anymore. He is Geralt of Rivia. Well, he's not Superman to anyone anymore. He quit. Oh, I thought he. I thought they I re-signed I, him I or something. I think they're trying to. Because I could have swore he signed on to play Superman. Not like, like You're it's more this, so. Right? A, no, maybe not. I don't is know. It, I mean, it's more so a cameo in that movie. Which movie? Superman? Uh, No, the Batman movie. Was he in the Batman? The new one with oh, uh, Pattinson. I don't know. That's not in the same universe. It's not the same universe? No. So we're getting another Batman? Yeah. yeah. Well, this one's going to be good because Matt Reeves is making it. And Robert Pattinson's fucking phenomenal. Let's put it this way. I don't, I don't care too much for Ben Affleck, but he's hands down one of my favorite Batman. He was okay. He was, he was definitely okay. I just I wish they would have let him do what he wanted to do. Yeah. Because I think if he would have made a standalone Batman film the well, way he wanted, yeah, he would have made that shit From badass. what Joe Manganiello said, the guy that plays that played Deadshot, I think is who it was, uh-huh. he said it was fucking brutal. Oh, I bet it was. Because just from that scene in... Uh, not Was it Justice League? No, it was Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Batman versus Superman where he just mercs all of those guys. Yeah, where it was like, Arkham video game. Y- yeah, dude, there's no way. I guarantee you half those guys are dead. At least. Yeah. At least half. And that Batman didn't have a problem killing him. No, he sure as hell didn't. He but, was going around branding criminals. But Robert Pattinson is going to have a problem with that because that is year one Batman. Oh, of course. And yeah. Colin Farrell's playing the Penguin. Sexiest penguin ever, even though you can't fucking recognize him with all that prosthetic. <laughs> okay, so uh, back to Tenet. We, let's see, we've covered the cinematography, the directing. Score. Yeah, I mean, we touched on the score. But, I mean, it was, it was amazing. That's all you could say about it. Yeah, I mean. I, Good. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Good. Great. Yeah. Good's I, good's more of a like a seven. Yeah. Great. Great is yeah. a nine. I I loved the score. Let's put it this way. With the bad mixing, if it would have had a bad score, I probably wouldn't have made it all the way through that movie. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. So um I mean we talked about the cinematography, we talked about the effects. The yeah. They crashed a real 747 into an airport. Yeah, I know. I saw some of the BTS. That yeah. was just... And I remember people just saying how crazy Christopher Nolan is. Yeah. And my whole thing is I wonder about those gold bars. Those, all those gold bars they dumped out on the runway. I doubt that they were real. Uh, I would... I wouldn't doubt it either. But at the same time, what you we know Christopher Nolan. He's like, nope. Real no, gold I bars. Real gold bars in the back of that effing plane. That's half the budget though, sir. <laughs> nah, they can they can re-smelt it and it'll come back brand new. I don't give a shit. I want real gold bars. And then those people grabbing it, they were really just extras trying to get their paycheck. Oh, I guess one thing I wanted to touch on was so we all know like how bold, I guess, would be the word I would choose. Christopher Nolan's endings are like how, like how hard. I mean, at least for me, like think about Inception mm-hmm. when DiCaprio spun Spinning, the thing yeah. and it just paint and it just kind of pushed in on that. Yeah, and like uh, the Batman movies, whenever he, uh, Bruce Wayne. Oh my god! I see him in the French coffee shop. It was Italy. Italy, whatever. 
I order a Bernie Franca. <laughs> we promised, we said we weren't going to do this. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Michael Caine's in this movie, and we didn't talk about that at all. <laughs> He's well, only in it for a scene, and apparently they didn't let him see the script. They just let him see his lines. Really? Yeah, that's how top secret it was. Well, all they got to do is make him sign an NDA. No, they don't want it leaking. It's not him that they're worried about leaking it. Because if you're a fucking actor and you go around leaking your scripts, you're not going to get any parts. But if you leave your script on a, like a, in an Uber or something, that Uber sees it and he's like, oh, fuck, new Christopher Nolan movie. I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I'm Michael Caine, and I deserve to read everything. That's, that sounds like what um, Kanye used to do whenever he was recording albums, like keep everything on a friggin' on a hard drive and a laptop, and just rent out different hotel rooms and record in hotel rooms so he could would try to keep his albums from leaking. He just did that to be pretentious. And they ended up leaking anyway. Yeah, they he probably did. leaked it because he's an attention whore. Uh huh. I was about to say he probably leaked them himself. But, but anyway, the ending, in my opinion, it just kind of tapered off. Well, they're leaving it open for sequels, man. But he's not really a sequels guy. Batman. Except, except the Batman trilogy, which we knew in the, from the get-go. Yeah. He said he was making a trilogy. Yeah. And even, even after he finished the trilogy, everybody was like, oh, man. You need to make more Batman. He said, nope, I've made a trilogy, and that's what I did. It's okay, because Matt Reeves is going to make a new trilogy, and it's going to be amazing. You think he's going to make an entire trilogy? I hope so. I doubt it. I'd be shocked. But, yeah, like I said, it just kind of tapered. Because it was one of those things to where, like, I think he went too far with the, I guess, the confusion factor that it wasn't one of those things that you could tie up by showing one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, oh, that is so like orgasmic to me. Well, I wonder if it had anything to do with Corona. Cause was it done editing and everything like before all that went into effect? Well, let's put it this way. Cause I know the score was affected. From what I've it seen was, as far as editing goes, at least with Christopher Nolan, it's literally like, the editor, the assistant editor, and him. Yeah. I don't know. It's always a possibility that because from what because from what I've heard, like it's not like um, he's not like a, what's his name, um, Transformers director Michael Bay. Michael Bay, like he's Michael blow shit up. Bay. Yeah, Michael Bay is just like apparently like just this overpowered like dick whenever it comes to everything his directing style not just his directing everything oh and so like but christopher nolan from what i've heard he's not like that um even though those rumors came out where like he had a he had a uh that he has a rule of no chairs on set (laughs) that's so fucking weird but um they they had a lot of people come out that had worked with him before and they said they basically said that it's for talent. It's not for the ca- uh, the crew. It's just for the cast mm-hmm. because he doesn't want um, he doesn't want the cast sitting around doing nothing. He wants them standing up, ready to go. He's also a creep who made Megan Fox wash his car. Oh, he's about Michael Bay. Yeah, I was talking about Nolan. Oh, Nolan has a rule: no chairs oh. on set. I thought, oh, God, that's awful. No, well, like I said. I thought you were talking about no, Michael Bay. No, it's Nolan, and but it's only for cast, not crew. The crew can have chairs, Yeah. but the cast can't. I can. mean, I guess. And, apparently, and when they asked him about it, he said, yeah, when people are sitting, they're not working. And uh, this was an article that I was reading, and apparently, like, even... I never knew this. He has never had a film go over budget. All, all of his films, every single one of them, they finished early and they finished under budget every single time. That's so, impressive. Yeah. So apparently, like, I don't know if he just, you know, 
overshoots his his budgeting because that's always my thing is you know under promise and over delivered yeah but who knows um but like i said i just think it's one of those things where like it's not one thing where you could just like put one piece down on the table and everything falls into line there were too many loose strings that he had to tie up yeah you know like with the protagonist having to kill the the arms dealer yeah, lady the woman yeah cuz she was trying to kill cat and her son yeah and then like they had to explain you know what was going to happen with neil and where neil was going he's like oh i'm going to go off and what did he say he was going to do he's going to go off and find all the rest of the inverted stuff or, or all the rest of the the algorithm i have no idea or no he went back to work with uh silver surfer dude yeah or not or silver quicksilver Sur- quicksilver yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Which we never did look up because he had like a thick Scottish accent. Well, I know he's... Is he, that his actual accent? No, he's British, I think. Hold on, let me look it up. Yeah, because... He is an English actor. Uh, he is from the UK. Hiwankabi. That's... Well, remember, Scotland is part of the UK. That. Let me see where High Wonka Bee's from. <laughs> it's a town in England. So, no, I doubt that that's his actual accent. Yeah. So, he did a really good job. Well, it's the same thing with, uh, what's his name, that played uh, Seder. He's a he's an he, Irishman. and He did that Russian accent? Yeah, he had to do the Russian accent. And that, I couldn't tell. Yeah, Nothing nope, bled through. No, nope, he did a really good job. Yeah. And, like, that, I mean, that's always amazed me. And I think that's just English actors in general. Like, look at, um, I can't remember his name. Goldman. Or Oldman. Gary Oldman. Uh-oh. Gary Oldman. I have no fucking clue his na- her, where he's from. All I know is he's British. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, okay. And Yeah, I couldn't tell. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen actors play English or uh, American roles Mm-hmm. And then when you see them in an interview and they're using their actual accent, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been lied to. That's how it is with me and Henry Cavill every time I... Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, Henry Cavill. Um, what's his name? Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah, that's... Nah. He's Australian. He's Australian. Nah. You fucking hate that. Oh, damn. I hate Australian. No, <laughs> no offense to any Australians out there, but he I think your accent is annoying. He thinks your... Annoying's not the word. It's vile. That's the word, and it, and I and I will point out it's mostly women. It's like ninety nine percent women. Oh, well, sexist! Dude. I have I have no problem against Australian men accents. It's twenty twenty, dude. I'm sorry. Stop being sexist. It's just I can't help it. It's weird. I'm I don't know if there's a fear of Australian <laughs> Australian accent <laughs> syndrome, but yeah, if there is, I have it. Oh, by the way, we've been disrespecting the Satyrs actor. He is knighted. Oh, it is Sir, excuse me, Sir Kenneth Brenna. Sir Kenneth Brenna. We He's apologize. from Belfast, so he might be real IRA also. Wow. So watch out for a car bomb. Um, that, that, was that I don't prejudice? Know. I don't know. I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, what's it? Who plays uh, the new Spider-Man? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. He's British. I can tell. Andrew Garfield, he's British. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson's British. Yeah. All these British people playing playing these American parts, man. And I'll never forget the first time it happened to me was Kate Winslet. I remember reading an article that she's, she she's English, right? Yeah. Okay. So apparently, I remember reading an article that she hates watching the Titanic because she thinks that her American accent was shitty, and I'm like. You, you, you're not American. And then I had to watch a video of her speaking in her actual accent. I was like, oh my God. It's funny when you flip it and you see like Americans doing British accents. Most of the time it's God awful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, one, one, one that I want to bring up though, that was God awful. An English to American accent was Patrick Stewart. In what was it, the green room? Is that what it was? Oh yeah. 
where he was playing that was, Nazi guy. Yeah, up in Oregon. Up in Oregon. <laughs> Yeah. That was a really good movie. It was a good oh movie, but God dang. His... Rest in peace, Anton Yelchin. Oh, God. Why'd you have to bring that up? You brought up Green Room, bitch. Oh, that was a horrible way to go, too. You was just checking his mail. Yeah, and you laugh about it. That's oh, God, the poor guy. Um, But anyway, so long story short, man, Tenet was, in my opinion, an amazing movie. It had a little Score bit of... Score out of 10. What is it? I'm going to give it an 8. And the reason that I take away those two points is, one, the god-awful mixing. Yeah. And the story, I think... I literally think it was so convoluted just for the sake of being convoluted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... It took Inception and pushed it even further, in my opinion. Yeah. Because Inception was easy. Like, when you actually stopped, thought it through, maybe watched it a second time, you're it like, made, okay. You, you could right. figure it out yeah, easily. Okay. But I kid you not, even if I watched this movie again, I would still have a hard time explaining it. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to hit up Neil deGrasse Tyson on TikTok and oh, be like, fuck. hey, explain Tenet. It's a movie. He'd probably do some. Well, he was one of the astrophysicists that commented on Interstellar and, and applauded it for yeah. how. It, you but know. he applauded it with its realism with black holes. I don't think time travel is realistic. I mean, it's technically not. But at the same time, when you're talking about theoretical physics, physics it kind of is. I, I don't want to start thinking about it because I can feel a <laughs> headache coming on. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. But, all right, well, what about you? What would you rate it? Um, Let me do some math in my head. I uh, carry the two. I would say seven and a half. Yeah, I, in all honesty, the only reason I rank it that high is just because I'm just a Christopher Nolan fanboy. Yeah. I'm kind of biased, I guess. I think everybody is. He's one of those universally loved directors. Yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was insane, which I talked to you about this the other day, is how crazy, how crazily even it is for directors' net worth. Like, I oh, think yeah. like the top twenty are worth two hundred million. Yeah, he's except, got like two hundred fifty million. Yeah, somewhere something. around in there. Yeah, but the top three, number three is Tyler Perry. Who, billion. Yeah, he's like a billion. And then it's Spielberg with like seven or eight billion. Yeah. And then number one is George Lucas with like nine or ten billion. Like, it's such an astronomical jump. That's Star Wars and Medea money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think, I think Tyler Perry just bought like, I think it was like three or four land sizes worth of oh, Disneyland yeah. or whatever. And in he, Georgia. And he made his own studio. And made his own, like, studio. Like, he doesn't have to rent out or anything. Yeah. He's like, oh, but build it. Yeah. But, anyway. Um, so, yeah, guys. Uh, if you haven't seen Tenet, highly recommend it. It's good. Um, it's good. Just a heads up. You're gonna, you're gonna probably... I need to watch it some more. You're gonna throw up because of how confusing it is. Yeah, like, it's really confusing. Like I said... We basically gave you the whole rundown of the plot, and I guarantee you could still watch it and, like, still be surprised and still, you know, see things, learn things that we just missed because it's it's a really convoluted plot. But overall, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, the first episode of The Movie Boys. Uh, I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Rowdy. And I'm Rowdy. <laughs> yeah, you're ASMR. And, uh, and I guess we will see you guys on the next one. Medea goes to prison. Is that what we're doing next? No. My vote is, uh, like you said, Wonder Woman. Fuck. <laughs> 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 <laughs>